Ladies and gentlemen, this is Paused Reviews. Hey, welcome back one and all to another episode of the Pause Reviews Podcast, episode 27. As always, I'm your host, Frank, joined by my co-host, Tim. Yeah, 27. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of content. It's a lot of practice. <laughs> we're, yeah. getting, we're getting better every time. I do genuinely think that we're getting better every time. Yeah, and I think we recognize now when maybe we feel like we're total garbage, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that part's easy, right? Because it's every episode. <laughs> what else? So we are continuing with our October spooktacular. Um, yeah. And this is our first Rewind episode. And like we had talked about before, what we're going to do on these is kind of do some quick reviews and recommendations of some movies that, you know, are in the spirit of Halloween, but not necessarily your traditional or true horror movies. And and therefore, you know, theoretically could be enjoyed by people who don't consider themselves horror fans or who don't like that kind of movie. Honestly, there are, you know, one or two in this one that kind of walk the line a little bit more narrowly than than two of the others. We're talking about four movies today. But I still think it's it's fairly safe to say that, you know, even if you don't like horror, you can appreciate these. And, and I think what I'm going to say is maybe if you're watching a movie with a friend who, like you, absolutely despises horror, then two of these movies might be appropriate for you. And yeah. if you're watching a movie with a friend who is obsessed with horror and you want to meet them somewhere in the middle, maybe the other two are for you. I don't know. Does that yeah. seem like an accurate representation of these films? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I, I will say that for me, I still have this idea of horror movies being the aisle that I walk down at like Blockbuster or Movie King or wherever you rented your VHSs when, you know, we used to do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you'd look at all <laughs> of the terribly awful box art for like horror movies like you know I, i'm thinking like children of the corn or like i think jack frost or santa's sleigh or something like that Dude, like i can't believe you just said jack frost that's, <laughs> that's the, amazing that stick in my mind so like that's what i feel like when i think of horror and maybe that's just you know like that's like the slasher end of things so i still think in my mind, and I'm not a huge horror fan, that these play it on the safer edge, but I think that that is a fair assessment. I will also say that, as you and I were sort of discussing before this, I think there's a little bit of leeway that I personally will give movies in our hol holiday kind of areas of like, that, that just fit that feeling, right? Mm -hmm. They're probably not great movies, and I might not watch them outside of... A holiday you know i'm trying to think of some christmas ones i'm sure you anybody listening is, can think of some that yeah, man, christmas like, oh. prince christmas in yeah. handcuffs two right. kisses past christmas who's right. kissing <laughs> santa claus you know all of those right um you know they're they're just they fit the mood that you're in so i think there's going to be a little leeway with this with with some of these things too yeah no i i, I think that's i think that definitely is a perfect summary of one of these movies and so to not keep you guys in suspense 
sense. Today we're going to talk about, ooh, the first one we're going to talk about is the platform. And that is a listener request that came to us through Instagram from Brian Foxworth. I wouldn't say this one's a horror movie at all, but I feel like the theme of it fits the mood. And this yeah. is definitely one of those that if you're watching movies with a big time horror fan, I think this could scratch their itch, but deliver something totally different that someone who hates horror movies is cool with. Yeah. We're also going to be talking about Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. We're going to talk about Warm Bodies, which I think is the uh-huh. one you're kind of alluding to in yeah. terms of being something that you give it some some leeway because of it of the month of October but so, if someone threw this on in March you would strike this person and shame yes. them right and then, and then the last one we're going to talk about is hush which again is is much much closer to that horror line than than maybe I was expecting to do in these episodes but I think I think it's totally, totally fine and necessary and still meets our criteria of being in the realm without being super scary. Yeah. Just in case, as with all the episodes that we're doing in October, and we're still going to mark this one as explicit, like we talked about in our last episode, we are talking about some dark thematic elements with some of these movies in particular. And so even though they're not your traditional horrors, you know, they still have some stuff that you don't want the kiddos sitting around while you're listening to this. You know, so I just want to throw that out there, get it out of the way. Let's start off with our listener request this time. And and like I said, this one comes from Brian Foxworth, and he asked that we watched the movie The Platform. This is a Netflix original. Obviously not that they made it, they've acquired it, but it's it's marked as a Netflix original film. And it was among their top 10 list when they released that a few weeks ago. It may have changed now, right? That didn't take into account a few of the movies that have come out um, yeah. that have done really well for them. Brian had actually made this request a bit ago, and we were always planning on doing this Netflix top 10 review, and yeah. we're still going to do it. But given the holiday month and, and a month from now, we're in another holiday month, didn't want to risk not getting to this, so we're diving into this now. The Platform. Brief overview. It takes place in the future where there are... I don't want to say prisoners, right? The internet says prisoners are housed in vertical cells. And I don't want to I don't want to classify this as a prison because people end up there for different reasons. So we'll just say a facility, right? Yeah, because I mean right off the bat our main character that we're going to follow, he's not a prisoner. Right, he's, he's there, elected he's to be there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So in the future, there is a facility that houses two people per floor. And each floor has a hole in the center, and the people living there watch as food is lowered from the top of the facility down to the bottom, and on that platform, so on a platform, and on this platform is food enough to feed everybody. But as we discover, as it descends through the ranks, people in the upper cells are eating their fill, while people in the lower cells are starving to death. So that's sort of the general concept of this film thoughts on this one for you tim i actually this was my top movie that we watched this week maybe until today i mean it's it's very close um (laughs) it is very close but i think for different reasons this movie right off the bat it gets you thinking but it also hits you in the gut right away. Yeah. We're we're very first person in this movie. We learn everything through the main character that we are following. Right. The movie starts when he wakes up, and we only get information 
that is available to him. I texted you right away and I said, don't watch this movie while eating. Don't watch this movie before eating. And maybe don't watch this movie after eating. <laughs> like, uh, This is not a food-based a movie. Of, yeah, well, it is. It is and so it is. So you don't want to... Um, but it does. It really, it really, really lingers with me because I've tried to figure out a lot more of the overarching message. You know, it's either Netflix or Wikipedia says that, you know, rebellion ensues. Right. You know, not in what you see in Snowpiercer. It's not like what happens in that movie. It's maybe a little bit more subtle but also maybe not something that hasn't happened in this facility before. There's a lot unknown. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this movie. All the while, you feel completely uncomfortable throughout what happens. And I'm not sure anything really gets resolved at all, period. And I think that's really spot on. You said this movie lingers, and it absolutely does. This movie sat with me. It is a very visceral, very tactile movie, right? Like, you can, you feel the coldness. So you open up with, so our lead, the person that we follow is Goring, right? Mm -hmm. And, And you open up with him waking up in this facility, in his cell, with his cellmate. He knows nothing, you know nothing. Just like you said, we're learning everything as we go. We wake up in this world. There is yeah. no lead-in. There is no explanation. There's no scene setting. So it's it hits you like a punch in the face. And then in the end, it left me with 100,000 more questions than it answered, yeah. which bothered me for a second. But then I realized that I really liked that. Um, mm-hmm. Admittedly, I spent days trying to marinate on this one. Anyone who asked me what I thought about it, I told them. I was like, oh, I'm still thinking on this. I'm marinating on this. <laughs> And just desperately trying to figure out and answer some of the questions that it left and, and and figure out this bigger picture of what is this place, right? What is happening? Why do I care? And what I realize is, is that you can't answer those questions, at least not in the way that you're thinking, right? This movie yeah. is brilliantly simple and complex at the same time. Yeah. I think about that sort of in the context of, I, re- I remember taking an art class in college and learning about Piet Mondrian. And maybe I've talked about this in the show or used this example in the show before. So if I have, bear with me. But Piet <laughs> Mondrian did those, you know, uh, primary color pieces that had the black lines and some blocks of color. And I remember looking at that and being, as a upcoming art student, kind of saying, Okay, this is a perfect example of, you know, I can do that. And, you know, what I can't do is like some masterful Caravaggio or whatever, right? But it's like, and I remember my professor looking at me and saying, it is so easy to hide in complexity. It is so much harder to do perfection simply. There's nowhere to hide. If you mess this up, everyone can see every mistake. And Mm -hmm. that is this movie. This movie is a Mondrian in the sense that... Every single morsel is so important and so well done because if it isn't, you'll be able to pick it apart. And I love that you just said every single morsel is important. Because <laughs> that is true. It really is the kind of the, the I'm going to make another pun, uh, the bones of, of this movie. Um, everything is really, really important. Nothing is wasted or should be wasted in the way that things are moved uh, around this movie. And that's sort of 
in the end, the bigger picture of the entire movie, trying not to waste things, right? Like, Yeah. Well, and I think, too, I thought about it in the context of uh, we just recently did a dive into the John Wick trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. And and I caught myself in trying to make sense of the bigger picture of this movie. I caught myself guilty of the very thing that drove me crazy about the John Wick movies, which is in the first John Wick, they leave so much unsaid and you just accept it for what it is because it's not the crux of this of the movie, right? It's not what's important. What's important is this man and his pain and that's the same here you will drive yourself crazy if your questions are what is the administration what is this facility why are these people here why does that stuff doesn't matter this movie is purely and simply a social commentary on the very nature of class divide of haves and have nots and highlights the idea of the tragedy of the commons Mm -hmm. the notion the idea of a situation where you have shared resources and how people will act independently according to their own self-interest in that situation and behave contrary to the common good for for everybody else by depleting or ruining that shared resource through their actions right so you know that is that is the message it is simple it's a simple story with a targeted message there is no bigger cinematic picture and once you wrap your head around that it hits you like a total wave of relief at at least it did for me and it came as a with a genuine sense of satisfaction in the movie as a whole and honestly made me love it even more this movie doesn't pander because it doesn't spend time trying to spell out every detail as to why it's important it just is important and it focuses on the one thing that is important which is this idea of of the tragedy of the commons yeah and i think you will get more or different things out of this movie on subsequent watches you know we talked about the visceral nature of it i think on my first watch i spent a lot of time thinking about how i would deal with this personally i mean once you realize again along with with the the character goring what your situation is you try to put yourself in these shoes like what's gonna happen you know i'm getting this amount of food now but next month i might not get any food or i might get all of the food and so I spend a lot of time on that, but I feel like on subsequent watches, you're going to get different things out of it. Even just now talking about it, I'm thinking about um, his uh, one of his later cellmates. Uh, she was part of the administration and volunteers herself into this facility, and she tries to enact social change. But she is sort of seen as the crazy one trying to yell at the people below her to save food. I'm going to put food aside for you. So when it gets down to you, you only take what you need. And I that's a perfect social commentary for our world right now. There are people screaming into the void every day, only use what you need. Don't, you know, live in excess. And people don't hear them. And well, then they move on. And that's the real tragedy of this movie, right? And, and we've talked about this with other movies in terms of horror movies really exploring the true horror, right? And this yeah. movie, the reason why I think it's appropriate to talk about this movie in a horror movie month is because it really does outline a very true 
terror, right? This this idea that this movie explores, this tragedy of the commons idea, we see it playing out in our world every single day. This is a real thing, right? We see it through deforestation. We see it through climate change, overfishing yeah. and hunting, endangering species and, and causing species to go extinct. What's interesting is that this floor, this movie just gets right into it. You're talking about the scene. So so we see Goring, he, he opens up with with a first cellmate he has three cellmates in the course of this movie um because cellmates die come go whatever mostly they die and so he has the cellmate he's on level 48 he drops down to like level 78 or 172 or something right and then back up to you know level 60 something and then down further and then back up to level six and and right so you see him experiencing this facility at every phase kind of in the middle ground starving himself to death and then also at the pinnacle Mm -hmm. but what's key is that everyone has this experience and so many of these social commentaries they really just set the dividing line you either exist below it or you exist above it the people below are exposed in some way to life above and then rise up to try to take that for themselves as well But this, like Parasite, right? So you mentioned Snowpiercer. I had that same thought. I was like, this movie is like Snowpiercer on steroids. But it's really more like Parasite in the sense that it does a really good job of showing that the real tragedy is that it's not like they're only living at the bottom of the rung and and they get a glimpse of of the top. Everyone in this facility experiences both feast and famine Mm -hmm. but yet it doesn't change how they approach this whole process no one knowing what they know about life on level 200 doesn't change how they act on level two because they are only focused on their own self-interest and when this woman comes in from the outside being a part of the administration and then coming in to become goring's next cellmate she is trying to reason with them below and say, if you just leave, if you only eat what I've made for you and then make a similar plate, everyone would have enough food. And she's, she's our window, too, to say that there is enough food on this platform to feed everyone, right? Yeah. So, so we gain that, that access there. But it isn't until Goring threatens the people below him's you know, self-interest that he gets through to them. So they won't listen to her reason, even knowing what they know. It isn't until Goring says, I'm going to shit on this food and you will eat nothing but my feces that that now affects them. Right. And so they play along, which is the real tragedy of the whole thing. But yet also a brilliant way of highlighting how this is, and, and we see it in Parasite, right? When they, yep. the Kims get a shot and 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 experience the high life, it doesn't matter where they came from. Once they know about the old maid and the guy living in the cellar, they treat them like garbage, even yep. though they are the same. So, yep. anyways, it 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 just it really really sits and gnaws at you and is so powerful. This movie is incredible it's absolutely Mm -hmm. incredible but also really hard to watch (laughs) yeah so i think additionally what makes this movie so incredible is that it is 
an absolutely incredibly intimate experience for each viewer, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about a lot of the questions that it raises, and these are the questions it left me sitting with trying to figure them out. What is yep. this place? Is it a prison, an experiment? What? Does anyone ever get out? Uh, right. What happens to Goring at the end? There's there's a, a tangent storyline of this woman who rides the platform sometimes, supposedly looking for her daughter that everyone is telling us doesn't exist. But in the end, there is a little girl. So so yeah. what happens with her, right? Does she make her journey, etc.? And And a lot of people have asked the director these questions point blank. And he has been very silent on the answers. And, and just dodges them all the time. And I think that's because the answers are meant for each of us to come up with on our own and to spark conversation and discourse and, and introspection, right? And yep. I think that the answer that we each come up with is reflective of how we feel about this idea. And then we have to ask ourselves, are, are we prepared to do what we can to solve a problem like that, even if it means not witnessing the fruits of that effort? And it's mm -hmm. and it's this introspection that, that makes this film so incredibly intimate and really sets it apart from anything I've ever really seen. It just, it really point blank does what a film like Parasite alluded to that movie was so much more cinematic this movie i don't know it, i think if you compared these two yeah. you know parasite would be like the feature film version of this documentary if that makes yeah, sense yeah i mean it, it, I, I i really like what you said it it's this movie's more about the legacy right it, it's, yes it's nobody gets out alive is is sort of what i have to assume um we find out that goring is there voluntarily right. um, as a uh, sort of as a respite, but also as a smoking cessation tool. Like that's what he says, right? That he wants to yeah. quit smoking. So he's, he's agreed to yeah, be he here because he can't have cigarettes. Smoking. Yeah. He wants to quit smoking, read Don Quixote. He's going to graduate from this facility with a diploma, with a, with a, essentially a bachelor's degree. I right. Think. Obviously if people have escaped, you know, you feel like he would have known, right? Like people wouldn't volunteer to go to this place if they knew what it was. So I have to assume either people who get out or have to sign an NDA you know, or whatever, but or they just don't get out. And going back to your point, it is it's about the legacy, right? Is is the things that happen in this movie, this this movement that he is trying to work towards, you know, the threatening the people um, and then this message that they're trying to send to the administration, what is that legacy? It's only as good as the people that come after him or the people that remember him, right? right? Um, we don't and know. And what the people I mean, do with that message. I mean, right. we in the real world are given this message all the time. And yes. people still choose to ignore it and do as they please. They talk about, they, they sort of refer to him jokingly at some points and maybe seriously at others as like the Messiah. And it is. It's and very a communist. Much a, and, yeah. yeah. And there's a little bit of a Jesus allegory in there. Um, from a technical side, uh, I, I do want to point out that for me, this movie started playing in a an English dubbed version. And I immediately 
was like something is wrong. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Frank had, had mentioned this when we did Parasite um, about how much you know you like to watch movies uh, in their in their original language and then subtitled because of the inflection. I can't agree more. Um, and that really would have messed with the intimacy of this movie. Um, I knew something was off because the English audio did not match the English subtitles. Like there were words that were like whole cloth different. Mm-hmm. than what they were saying and the minute i put it back to the original uh european spanish version i think made a huge difference for me it just it it would have taken me out of it so much because the dub just was too stilted um, and it would have destroyed the intimacy that is really important to the story yeah and when you made that comment too i i was worried i was like well is that a fault of the dubbing or a fault of the of the captioning. And mm-hmm. so being a native Spanish speaker as I am, <laughs> I was able to watch it in its original and, you know, given it's European Spanish, so they speak yeah. super fancy, but, uh, and I'm just a lowly Puerto Rican, but <laughs> I, I was able to watch it and the subtitles. So if you watch it in the European Spanish and, and have it on with the English subtitles, it is an excellent translation. So you're going to really get that, but you're going to hear the real heart of the movie. And that's what I've always yeah. argued. I did it for grave yep. of the fireflies too. It's like, I hate dubbing. It doesn't matter how good it is. It's not the actor's initial original intent and emphasis. And when you don't have that, you're missing out. So even if you don't understand the word, it's the reason why people like opera and people like whatever. You don't understand the Italian or you don't understand whatever language it's in, but you understand the passion behind it. And and that's the case here. So, So read the movie get over yourselves and and really drink in that because it does yeah. make a difference. Yeah. It was night, it was night and day. I was really worried it was going to be a struggle. I was like, these actors suck. <laughs> so it, it's um, definitely made the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. There is so much that I can praise about this movie. We could do a whole episode, a whole yeah. episode about this. This movie really perfects a lot of things that you've seen in other places and, and presents it in such a way that you just can't ignore it. Sure, I think there's going to be people out there who who watch this and, you know, and just say to themselves, great, this is just another social justice movie and, and you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Uh, I've seen a thousand of these. Are we going to keep making these? Whatever it is. If that's your argument, right? If, if you're only focused on your life and think that this world and its resources exist only to serve you, then <laughs> feel free to unsubscribe to the podcast because spoiler alert, you're gonna you're not gonna like a lot of our takes on movies like this. <laughs> Um, You know, on the flip side, if this commentary and conversation interests you and you feel like you've seen it before, I I promise you, you haven't seen this movie. The participants in this facility see and witness the effects of their choices every 30 days and still, for their most part, continue to serve themselves until this one man tries to make a difference. And and we don't know what that is. If that difference is made, we don't know the impact of that, but but we watch that journey and hopefully maybe find a bit of ourselves in it. It is spellbinding. This movie is spellbinding and is a near flawless masterpiece. I absolutely loved it. I would highly recommend that everyone and anyone watch it. I think it's yeah. brilliantly written. 
it stays unapologetically true and focused on its goal of this message, and it doesn't muddy the message with a lot of unnecessary detail, but that also doesn't ruin the movie. It, yeah. it walks such a fine line to perfection. Yes, this movie is gory. It is disturbing. Mm-hmm. I would say that it serves the overall message, though, like this gore and, and, and all this stuff. And, and so it doesn't feel gratuitous. It feels <laughs> perfectly in line with what you're supposed to see and feel and not just some cheap yeah. jump scare. You know, but like I said, I think this movie also fits well in our month because it calls out some real life horror and some real terror and and it does have that that gore factor we can't ignore it um dude i think it's a fantastic request from brian and an absolute must watch i am thrilled that i saw this and uh, and ashamed that it took me so long i give it a nine out of ten for me yeah, absolutely. This is definitely one, like I said before, I think I'd go back to it at some point. If somebody wanted something, you know, to kind of fit that, you know, thinker but gory-esque, you know, I, there's just other things that I think I would get out of this. Um, yeah. Again, I spent yes. that first watch trying to think of all the ways that I would survive this. Like, oh, six months. Okay, one month. Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there's so much more to this, you know. And, and again, as I said before, as we sit here and talk about it, there are just pieces that have popped in my head. Um, and it's just, there's so much that you could extrapolate from this in one way or the other. And it's it's absolutely fascinating watch. And um, I'm worried that it sets a precedent for the other top 10 Netflix movies. Because I'm telling uh, like, you, this one, this one works. Like I'm pleasantly surprised about um, how, how, yeah, this belongs in the top 10 of Netflix right now. For sure. This is, and this is why I want to do that Netflix episode is because, you know, that is only based on viewers. I had never seen this before. It wouldn't yeah. even cross my path if not for this recommendation. Recommendation. I find it difficult to see this one getting beat by extraction or, you know, any of yeah, the uh, right. the wrong right. Missy or whatever, right? right? <laughs> like, this is such a substantial film. And I, I can't agree with you more. This is an absolute second watch for me simply yeah. because I think you watch it the first time just getting your footing on what to expect and taking it in. You watch it the second time and really gain some insights into what this is about and oh anyways what uh did, sorry did you did you give a rating yeah i i'm gonna go nine out of ten yeah sure. yeah yeah it's so I good i can't disagree so brian my friend thank you so so much for that recommendation yes. absolutely mm-hmm. amazing and now let's dive into the dregs <laughs> of, the, <laughs> of the movies we picked <laughs> Um, okay, let's shift gears and and go into the stuff that we watched this week, the three movies, and starting with the first one, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I love this movie so, so much. This is firmly in the camp of you want to watch something that feels appropriate, not even a little bit scary. There's a little gore in this, but it's comedic gore. This is a comedy movie, and so you will absolutely forgive it. Alan Tudyk and Tyler Labine together is the most amazing pairing since Chocolate and Peanut Butter. Alan Tudyk plays Tucker, and Tyler Labine plays Dale, and this takes the classic teen slasher in the woods premise and just turns it totally upside down 
Absolutely. A hundred percent. General premise is some college teens come into the woods on a camping trip and they are experiencing what you would see as your traditional classic teen in the woods slasher. They're being hunted down by some hillbilly serial killers and so on. We come to discover things are not as they seem and these hillbillies are just two guys, normal guys trying to live their best lives. They just bought this vacation home is what they call it they're just up there do some fishing and by random coincidence series of events take place that lead the kids to believe that they're killers and leave them to wonder why these kids are killing themselves (laughs) in some kind of suicide pact on their brand new property and it's so so hysterical I'm actually really mad that I have passed on this movie in the past. It's been on I couldn't believe when you said you hadn't seen it. I was like, I feel like this is in Tim's wheelhouse. Absolutely. I mean, this is uh, this has been one of those movies that pops up on Netflix. I've heard rumblings about it. And then I've just, you know, every time you're doing that endless scroll through what I want to watch, it comes up and it's like a 90 some percent match. And I'm just like, yeah. And now that I finally want to watch it, it is off of the Netflix right now. So um, drove me nuts. I feel like they did that like October 1st. It's been there for years. You do get, you got to search a little bit for it. Um, But I was expecting a slightly different movie. Um, You know, the verse evil thing. I don't know if I was thinking, you know, like Ash versus the evil dead, or um, as I (laughs) said before to Frank, a campier version of supernatural. Like I, you know, I was thinking like these two guys are first, you know, that's not what you said. You were like, (laughs) it's like supernatural. If it was campy, I was like, what? (laughs) But like, I'm expecting, I was expecting them to be hunters, you know, maybe like, you know, this, these dimwit characters that are out there fighting evil. And this is sort of how this movie ends because they do end up fighting evil. But once you accept what this movie is right off the bat and you settle in, it is just absolutely glorious. I mean, you're spot on when you say it takes that, that slasher premise and turns it upside down. You know, we've got the car full of college kids. They've got their, ooh, they're adventurous. They got, somebody brought a joint um, and they got their beer and they're going in the woods. We're going to go skinny dipping. Yeah. And like they stop at the gas station and there's a creepy kid pumping water outside. And, um, you know, the guy in there, can I help you folks? Like, you know, and it's a little, I mean, it's a, it's the side of the road pit stop. Like it's not that scary, but from these kids perspective like oh this place is creepy um but it it is just everything that it does beyond that is just so funny i mean the misinterpretation of everything um you know it starts out when tucker and dale are going doing a little night fishing on their new property they have all these plans to fix this place up and the one girl goes uh she slips uh jumping into the water and katrina uh, bowden from 30 rock yeah, she slips. Dale jumps in and rescues her. They bring her back to her place, and but the friends see them rowing away, and they think they've kidnapped her. And oh no! The- it's they. The friends see them dragging her into the boat. There are these two country dudes dragging her in the boat, and then one of them's, yeah. "We got your friend!" <laughs> yeah. And they're yeah. like, "They've got her!" <laughs> they take off yeah. running in the woods because they immediately assume it's kidnapped. Not this poor yeah. girl fell in the water and is dying yes and so it is it was just completely not what i had expected um but it just it plays all of those tropes backwards and in really 
good ways, right? They're not heavy-handed. They're very natural. And it's not even that you're playing on the fact that Tucker and Dale are dumb, because they're really not. Like, (laughs) you know, Dale's actually fairly smart throughout the entire movie. He says he's got all, he knows all these random facts and things like that. They're just two dudes going out for the weekend, and they get stuck in this situation. And Yeah, to them, they are genuinely good and caring guys, and they're perfectly smart. It is simple Simply just, I mean, they are just as confused by, it's 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 all a matter of perspective. And nothing, yeah. like, that isn't more clear than the scene where the kid gets into the wood chipper. Because it is literally perspective. It is the angle of the camera, right? We see it yep. from Tucker's perspective, where he just bends down to pick up a piece of wood, and this kid is attacking him that he can't see. He can't hear <laughs> him coming because of the noise. He doesn't see him because he's bent down. He bends down to the last second. The kid dives in. When he stands up, all he sees is legs sticking out of a wood chipper. He's trying to pull the guy out. Camera flips to the point of view of the other kid. He sees Tucker with this kid seemingly pushing him into the witch. Right? It is. It's so perfectly done because it is such coincidence. Bad luck, bad timing, bad perspective, and genuinely two guys who can't even fathom how this must look because yeah. that thought doesn't even cross their minds. Yep. And and I mean, there's other great examples of that. It's really smart for how stupid it really is and it's a lot of fun i love how you said that when i saw it the first time i was sold on the premise because i wanted to watch a dumb comedy this is not a dumb comedy no you know it 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 unravels a little bit towards the end but it is so well made so well done so well thought out it's actually really really smart and this is a little bit out there but what it reminded me of was in high school we were all forced to read beowulf right and so we read the story of beowulf and it did it it was fine but then we read grendel and which is (laughs) the story of beowulf told from the quote monsters perspective i remember loving that story i could barely tell you anything about beowulf i remember grendel so much because I loved the idea of taking something universally accepted as the order of things, right? And then breaking from it with a totally different perspective and showing how the truth really is in the eye of the beholder. And that concept, I mean, we're talking about a major piece of literary work playing out perfectly in this Alan Tudyk. <laughs> comedy right it's so so smart i can't say enough good about this one either i absolutely love this movie start to finish and and i think it it just plays out really well you're gonna laugh absolutely hysterically and you're gonna laugh not only at the movie but you're gonna laugh at yourself for all the movies you watched and got creeped out about and seeing it from this light you're just gonna be like Oh, man. I mean, now all of a sudden you start to kind of play in your mind like, you know, is Jason just a misunderstood child who was left to drown in a lake somewhere and now is just trying desperately to find someone to care about? (laughs) Like, I I don't know. You know, so it's it's so, so good. So clever. So funny. I love this one. I give this one an eight out of ten. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I I would absolutely agree with that. I might go a, a stitch higher just because it's it's right in my wheelhouse i mean it really finally came together i just had this great aha moment um it's near the end of the movie where 
you've done a complete 360, right? All those events that we were talking about, rescuing um, Allie when she, she slips into the water, um, and the, you know, we got your friend moment. That all is the twist, right? It's like this long, drawn-out twist. And you get to this point in the end where Tucker and Dale get in a car and they're running away from the one remaining college kid who looks like a monster at this point because he's been burned and beaten. And they can't start the car. They're like, start it, start it, start it. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Now all of this... a sudden the kids are the killer. Yes. Yeah. We've done this entire 360 and the movie just totally just flips. And that the entire middle section of the movie is just this slow twist and it's just it pays off so great um and uh i'll definitely watch it again this is definitely in that camp of you know this fits the mood if you're not looking for you know if you're having a halloween party you want to watch something that's you know kind of you know Shaun of the dead-esque it's more fun than anything else but it's got that little creep factor in it not much but it, it's totally worth watching, absolutely. And I'm going to watch it again for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hands down. And like you said, this one, it was on Netflix for the longest time. No idea why they decided to take it off in October. But, uh, it, you know, I don't know. Maybe you can find it somewhere. I ended up just buying it. I think it was like three ninety nine to rent it or four ninety nine on Prime to buy it. Uh, yeah. If you're into this at all, if Shaun of the Dead is in your wheelhouse or, or anything similar to that, uh, it, it's worth every penny of the five bucks. You will watch it every year, same as you do Hocus Pocus and all the others. Yep. It's a yep. fun, fun movie, for especially for October. So, we've had two greats. It's time to make sure people stay grounded and give them a little garbage. <laughs> <laughs> they can't all be amazing uh the next one we're going to talk about is the movie warm bodies starring Teresa palmer and nicholas holt and this one this one was on prime or something for a while it's now on free form so you can watch it through a tv subscription you know mm-hmm. xfinity on demand or, or whatever it is um it'll be the tv edit but this movie's like pg-13 or something there's it's not really that chopped down yeah. but uh but you'll have to watch ads and that kind of stuff otherwise you'd have to rent this one i would absolutely tell you to just watch this one on free form yeah the general idea here is uh zombie virus of course unknown virus mm-hmm. has stricken the earth and you have the unaffected have created sort of this walled in community and outside of those walls are the zombies we follow one in particular, Nicholas Holt. Teresa Palmer is the uninfected woman. And this is a, you know, take on Romeo and Juliet. So uh, they meet out in <laughs> in a battle. And uh, Nicholas Holt, <laughs> through this friendship relationship that turns more and more romantic, I guess, <laughs> is, uh, is slowly uh, turned back human along with all of his zombie buddies. Love cures the disease of zombieism so straight up this is meant to be like a halloween reimagining of romeo and juliet where zombies are cured by love that is fully fully what happens and what this movie is about and it bothers me i just don't get it (laughs) i just i really don't so the scariest thing about this movie is the fact that all of the post-apocalyptic made me feel more uncomfortable given our current circumstances than anything else it was just there was a couple of things that they said that hit the nail on the head and i was like "Ooh, 
I don't, I don't, you know, there's those scenes of remember the before times and I just want to get on an airplane again. And I'm like, I know, I know me too. Bro, Um, for me, it was the scene. There's a scene where uh, Dave Franco, he plays Teresa Palmer's, um, he's like Paris in Romeo and Juliet. He, and that's, that's what drives me crazy too. You know what? Listen, people, if you're going to do a reimagining of like an all time famous play especially if that play is romeo and juliet please don't take your paris character and name him perry don't take your juliet character and name her julie yeah don't make mercutio m and romeo r because they're zombies just call them what they are or call them something totally different but this stupid in the middle nonsense drives me crazy that aside there's a scene where julie and r r is nicholas holt's zombie character when they meet, it's because uh, Dave Franco has led this you know, group of them to go looking for medicines and that stuff. In the course of doing that, I'm watching it and I'm just like, this is how I feel sometimes. It's like, I know I have to go to Target. So I, I mask up, I'm like gearing up, you know what I mean? It, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. So you're absolutely yeah. right. Watching this, maybe that's part of it too. Maybe it just hit too close to the nerve. <laughs> I mean, the rest of it, though, I mean, if you look back at when this movie came out, it's 2013. We're at the height of, you know, the Twilight uh, mania, you know, so the zombie love thing fits right in with the vampire werewolf stuff. It's true. Um, That's so true. The character of Julie could have easily been played by Kristen Stewart. It's like they wanted her for that role and couldn't get her. It's on freeform. I mean, that that is the, the, the bottom line. I mean, it fits that realm. The CGI is terrible um, for the scarier parts of this movie. Uh, just the skeletons that essentially... Oh, the bonies, yeah. The bonies. As zombies get worse, they eventually lose all humanness. Um, and there's no way back for them. And they turn into like these skeleton things. Like I said, it's on freeform for a reason. It fits for 31 nights of Halloween. You'll have fun uh, a little bit. And again, we'll be, you know, I, I'm a little bit of a leeway. I will sit and watch this for Halloween. If I want to watch something, you know, maybe with some younger, uh, you know, if I'm watching my niece and nephew or something like that, and they're older and can watch it or something like that. Um, but I'm never going to sit down in, in March <laughs> and watch this movie and say like, yeah, this is a great movie. Cause it's not, I mean, it falls apart um, pretty quickly. The whole zombie plague cured by love thing. There's a setup there and then it falls apart. John Malkovich is in this movie. He's Julie's father, essentially the king um, <laughs> that runs this this survivor camp. And I don't know what movie John Malkovich is in, but it's not this movie. He is not acting in this movie. He is too good for this movie and what he is performing in is not this movie. And it totally ruins all of the scenes that he is in because he is just not reading from the same script as everybody. Oh no, I I got that same sense. I think he is reading from the same script. I just think he only got his pages and he (laughs) thinks this movie is like a true apocalyptic thriller and doesn't realize that he is in a free form reimagining of, you know, I mean, this is a step away from like, isn't there a zombie like I zombie or something on, Disney 
like yeah, a Disney kids like show. That. that is what this is. And and yeah. you know what? I'm not going to judge this movie harshly on that. I am I watch just as many Hallmark Christmas movies yeah. as anybody else, right? Yep. It, I I think you nail it on the head. In the right circumstance, you're watching a movie. You're looking for something to watch with some younger people with, you know, just a family thing or something a little different. Right, like if at Christmas you're gonna watch Christmas Prince, at Halloween you can watch Warm Bodies. It fits yeah. perfectly in there. I am gonna judge it though, just on how inconsistent it is. I think you nail it perfectly on the head. John Malkovich is on a different level, and that yeah. sometimes that's not sometimes that does tend to be the case with John Malkovich. He's always at a nine or a ten, no matter what the spot yeah. we're at here, no matter what this movie is really. But I found it inconsistent in a lot of places, right? There's this, so we watch R's transformation from zombie to human through primarily his speech, right? So in the yeah. opening moments of the movie, uh, and Rob Cordroy is in this at random, he plays the Mercutio character, Marcus or M. There's a scene in the beginning, they live in this airport. All the zombies just wander the airport. The exception is R. He's always a little bit more human because, and that's that's how it has to be, right? It's gross that Belle fell in love with this lion horse beast, right? right. It's bestiality, right? It's right. It would be weird for Eric to fall in love with a fish woman, so she's right. got to become human, right? So R can't be fully zombie. That would be necrophilia, right? Like, right. so he's always he's from jump. He's a little more human than everybody else. He maintains a home in this, you know, abandoned airplane. But at the beginning, he outlines that they can't talk. They grunt to each other, and his closest friend is M. And that through great effort, they're able to manage like one word. So right. they grunt, 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 and ours like eat and then grunt 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 and m's like city and then they go in the city to go find some brains right but that gets immediately thrown out the window as soon as he meets julie he's able to manage practically full sentences from moment one right he's like yeah me protect you not safe outside come to house and have house <laughs> party with music and you're just like i don't understand what's happening here he couldn't say more than eat to his best friend. And now all of a sudden, because it would be inconvenient and not so human or, and too zombie-ish for him not to be able to talk to Julie, he can suddenly... T- like, it's, it's that inconsistency that drives me nuts. Right. Oh yeah, and he knows, and he knows enough that vinyl is superior to other MP3. Oh, formats, when he so. says it sounds better, I was like <laughs> freaking kill. First of all, I hate it when people say that in real life. I don't care if it is true. Get over yourselves, right? Like you're clearly on level two of the platform, and I must be down on level one twenty eight because <laughs> you want to hear a song, you listen to the song, right? Like stop yeah. being such an elitist. And this zombie is so concerned that it sounds better whatever <laughs> you talk about the record player he has yeah. this he has this apartment thing <laughs> he has this like bachelor pad in this airplane where he 
he has this whole collection of stuff and and there's a moment right when they're eating all the brains and stuff and he meets julie and takes her back to his place where he takes a snow globe with him and then he takes uh-huh. a snow globe back and he puts it somewhere in the thing and when i watch that i turn to my wife and i'm like i'm confused does r stand for romeo or is r just like the r sound in ariel because <laughs> i couldn't figure out if this guy was supposed to be a zombie or the little mermaid with that little human trinket collection of his and like all the other zombies are just aimlessly wandering but this guy has this like epic fuselage condo filled with neat little trinkets yeah actually and when he brings when he brings back the snow globe with julie i immediately turned to my wife and i was like hey look at this stuff isn't it neat wouldn't you say his collection's complete <laughs> and she my wife was just like what are you talking about and i said i mean there's just so many treasures untold i mean seriously how many wonders can one fuselage hold right <laughs> dude he is the little mermaid and it drove oh, yeah. me crazy it's all i could see the whole rest of the movie it's all i could see yeah it- <laughs> a little crab I mean- to come out of somewhere ariel <laughs> you'd be like no that's the wrong movie bro what it is? I mean, what if they're riding really around in the car and all of a sha la 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 la, don't be shy. <laughs> I mean, it's true because he has to kiss the girl for the movie to resolve itself. Bro, so. this movie is this movie is equal parts Romeo and Juliet and The Little Mermaid, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, you know, he has to he gets his voice back by you know getting together with her it's totally true like it's, <gasps> i forgot know. about the voice <laughs> it's so true the virus is ursula and yeah. all right guys we are we're cracking through this one these are revelations i i don't know for me this one like you said it is what it is you know yeah. it tries to set the scene and the stage with some really quick and dirty world building you know it establishes rules that it immediately breaks and i don't know it's a little bit too much out there and it just it it, it feels like a, a a cheap version of better things but that being said i think as badly as it does it it somewhat accomplishes its goal which is yeah. to deliver something more palatable by a wider audience in october a change of pace it's not funny it's nowhere near as cute charming witty as like a hocus pocus or some of the disney mm-hmm. things that have come out i give this a three i want to give it a two but yeah. you know and that is judging it simply on quality of movie i watch a lot of threes at christmas so i'm yeah. i'm not saying this isn't watchable in the right setting i'm just saying right. if you're asking me if this is a good movie it's not yeah i mean again you're 100 right it's the i'll watch this in october you know um, there's a reason it's on freeform it fits um you know i will say it's better on freeform and makes more sense than harry potter does in the 25 days of christmas right like mm-hmm. that that makes no sense to me but this is wait, wait, perfectly wait. fine do for- we need to have an offline conversation about the fact that harry potter the first one is absolutely a christmas movie uh no it's not oh okay offline <laughs> sir <laughs> so you know i it's it's fine it will do exactly what it's supposed to do and it's doing exactly what we kind of set out to do with this episode give you some other things um that kind of fit that mood it it pokes you could poke so many holes in the zombie thing i mean i got to the end and i was like wait shouldn't he be rotting like you know and then 
if there's he's been stabbed so how human really is he in the end so don't do that don't go into this with a zombie logic this yes. movie is just what it is on face value it works for again for a fun halloween party or something like that you know your kids want some kind of sleepover movie maybe this will you know make a nine-year-old squirm a little bit but yeah i wouldn't let it's... a nine-year-old watch this <laughs> tim you're about to be a father <laughs> I got to learn all what levels or things. <laughs> Anyways, no, I, I that's that's absolutely spot on. I think that's absolutely spot on. Um, so yeah, if you can see it somewhere and it's appropriate for whatever you're trying to accomplish, feel free. We're going to bring this home with our last movie, and that is Hush. Hush is available right now on Netflix. I mean, at least it has been for a while. Hopefully it still is tomorrow. We've seen what they've done with some of the other stuff. General premise on this one is uh, we follow our lead, who's a person who is late deafened and nonverbal. She's a writer living alone out in the middle of the woods and finds herself in a fight for her life (laughs) when a masked killer tries to invade her home. Mm -hmm. I personally love this movie and have since the first time i watched it if i'm remembering right i think it was actually one that my sister lisette told me about back like when it first came out she was like dude you have to watch this and and i did and i was not mad at it little bit of side stuff just because i find this interesting based on some of the stuff we've talked about in previous episodes this movie is written by real life husband and wife team mike flanagan and kate siegel uh kate siegel stars as the lead maddie and flanagan directs and if that name sounds familiar it's because we talked a lot about mike flanagan in our doctor sleep episode he uh, wrote and directed doctor sleep and he uh he's written and directed house on or the haunting of hill house and and such like that which side note quick reminder that tomorrow october 9th is the premiere of haunting of bly manor we're checking that out make sure you do too mike flanagan is awesome it's really becoming a trend if you want to make a solid horror movie get mike flanagan involved uh kate siegel may look familiar she plays theo in haunting of hill house this movie is the strangers with an awesome awesome twist this one takes that classic home invasion story and gives it a really interesting twist by making the person uh late deaf and nonverbal, which just adds this whole other element and complexity to the to the movie and keeps this what can be a tired formulaic class of movie yeah and and it it keeps it fresh and interesting and engaging and and that absolutely is the case here yeah, I that is key, I think, for me in this movie. I don't think there's anything very unique about it outside of that. Agreed. But that that twist does a lot to keep me engaged. I found myself at times walking things back. There is a scene where she sort of tries to make a break for it and goes outside and ends up slipping underneath her her porch into her what she calls the crawl space the house is fairly raised so you can kind of see all underneath there and i found myself going oh she can't 
necessarily tell how much noise she's making you know she lives in the woods there's dried leaves and debris she doesn't know if she you know has made a noise by bumping into something you know like she talks about how she feels vibrations but you're not going to necessarily know the sound of the leaves you're crunching on her breath she does hold her her nose at one point and hold her mouth because she's worried about him hearing her as she's walking on the deck above but it's those little moments where you're like ooh. I don't know, you know, even early on when she, when he's in the house, she doesn't know. He like sneaks in and gets her phone and she doesn't know. She's completely unaware. And the only reason she's alerted is because her sister is like, look like there was something moving behind you. So it's oh, no, he starts texting her pictures thing. of herself. Yeah, right. After that, like her sister points out something about like, did something move behind you? I think when he grabs right, her, right, her right, phone right. and then she, she's like looks around the house she's walking around and he starts texting her those pictures so it's just enough to kind of add this angle to this movie that again like the platform it's a very intimate movie there's very confined Mm. you know set here we spend a lot of time with this one person and her decision you know again there's not really any wasted movement here she doesn't have a lot of places to go she's hemmed in it ends up being a really strong movie about empowering her but it does it just makes this so much more intricate and makes you think about things that obviously you take for granted if if you know if you're not late deaf um or in this you know this type of situation i absolutely agree you immediately accept her situation and her reality and start to filter everything you think you know through that lens and i i love how you pointed out that yeah of course she doesn't know the noise she's making, but she also can't hear his approaches yeah. and his things. Um, but yet somehow also he has entered her world and her element. She lives yeah. life this way. And so therefore, you know, is it a disadvantage? Sure, absolutely. But at the same time, it's one that's her normal. And it mm-hmm. juxtaposes these two experiences live and in real time. He feels in control, but she is completely in control the entire time for the most part. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that is the underestimation that he makes. And her disadvantage is just that she's never been hunted before. And so, you know, each of them experience different mistakes and learn from those mistakes as they go. But it does a really good job. And and I put this movie in here because, and again, this is one that a lot of people may argue is a horror movie um, with the home invasion element and that kind of stuff. But I feel like... I, the word empower is one that happened that that comes to my mind as soon as this movie starts and this movie feels mm-hmm. so much more that it is a suspenseful thriller but it's yeah. not you know supernatural creepy yeah it has some moments that are a little bit ooh right but overall it is that's not really its intention i don't think i mean they absolutely classify it as a horror this isn't one that's gonna you're gonna lose sleep over or anything like that i think primarily because sometimes with these home invasion movies it sits with us later like you'll hear a noise downstairs and say oh is someone coming in right but i think the fact that this person is late deafened then you can always sort of run it through your own filter and say well if someone were to come i would hear it right and and i don't mean that to sound insensitive i mean it to put listeners at ease this is one that you can kind of take in without it taking over the rest of your night because you can find a reason why this wouldn't happen to you i think this 
movie is actually a surprising amount of fun. I think the twists that happen in it as a result of this element is awesome to watch on screen. I think additionally, mm-hmm. there's a really cool element. She's a writer. This is a story told through a writer's lens also, and she processes the scenes and, and the outcomes and all the potential you know, as she's making her decisions, the way yeah. she would approach her writing process of writing a movie or, or writing a story. And what's interesting, what I related to a lot, she makes a comment of how when she's writing her book, she has all these endings and they play out in her mind like a little movie. Yeah. And and that yeah. is me. Like, I, I find situational comedy and that kind of stuff funny because I play things out in my brain like little movies. And so I immediately connected to that. There are scenes where things happen and play out and then you realize that's just her processing that potential outcome and that fuels her next decision and and i just i love 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 those moments i found them just awesome awesome to watch big shout outs to i mean kate siegel in this is brilliant she is so good i mean i fully i remember watching this movie the first time and looking up does she really have hearing loss because it was such a believable performance and i thought that john gallagher jr as the killer i I don't know and my initial thought was like dude from newsroom right like this is our (laughs) killer but i totally buy into him too this he really does feel like I don't know. It, it feels like somebody who is doing this and always uses the element of surprise that the the things that are transpiring in this movie are just things he wasn't expecting. And and to him, it's so lucky that it's happening at the at the home of this person who cannot hear or 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 speak or do any of these things or, or be verbal anyway. And and so he undersells the entire thing and i can totally buy him as somebody doing that in this movie um i don't know i think it's just a really long way when a long-winded way of saying that it's it's really surprisingly well cast and the performances are surprisingly good you know if you're kind of tired of the same old fare of the same old like when you're talking about an invasion style film and and you think you've seen it all and and whatever you you have you really have but if you haven't seen this one Definitely give it a look because I I think it's just different enough that it'll totally reinvigorate your experience. Yeah, I mean, there's a actually a ton. <laughs> I'd love to unpack it in what you in what you just went through, but I think I will suffice to say that I think that cat and mouse game is what is it, it adds a little difference to this. If you mm. think of other movies where it is sort of more torture porny, this isn't that. And I think you're right that he undersells this. He's sort of having fun, which which makes him creepy, right? Right. Because inherently, Johnny Gallagher Jr. is not creepy in in this as a killer, right? He's not Freddy. He's not Ghostface. He's not, you know, whoever you want him to be. Um, you know, he's there's nothing about him that's creepy. You know, he's killed a bunch of people. We kind of we get a, a glimpse of his his weapon of choice, his crossbow, and there's like twelve marks on there. So he's killed enough people mm-hmm. um but you know you might not expect if he walked down the street next to you i'm not really gonna think anything different of him um, even I the think creepy me, mask he wears he only wears it for a couple of minutes yeah it's yeah, him in plain face yeah i will say too that um for me it's a little awkward uh i know johnny uh i grew up 
with him. Um, his cousin is uh, my childhood best friend. So um, it's wow. been some time since I've seen him. Um, and I've actually not really watched any of his movies at all because I just, I don't know, it's kind of strange. So uh, when I saw it was him in this movie, I was like, okay, all right. Um, so it was also hard to for me to be like, ah, oh, he's a killer because I just, I know him as this nice guy. But I think that works well again for this movie. There's nothing over the top, right? And, and there's nothing that makes this beyond the realm of believable and to argue horror or not i I didn't come off as a horror movie if these things you know freak you out then sure absolutely i mean that that, that's gonna hit a nerve for you um but again not in that classic horror movie way um not really any classic horror movie tropes in this there's some great decisions that will give you a gut punch or a little bit of a scare and a little bit of blood you know those moments that you talked about when you know she's doing the the moments through her her head talking out her motivation there's one scene there that i don't want to spoil because it just threw me for a loop um Mm. And I wished there was more of that, but at the same time, there's just enough of that that it doesn't get tired. It's a good flavor, right? It's a good palate cleanser if you want, um, you know, you like that type of movie, but you want something slightly different. It's a good refresh on on, on something that could be tired, um, but it works really well. It ends up working really, really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think you know one thing that you're gonna get with Mike Flanagan is really well thought out, well structured narrative storytelling. Yeah. And and that delivers here. It's very well thought out. He is so good at his craft and it plays out really well on screen. I always think of this one when I'm looking for something to watch, especially something I haven't seen in a while. It's you know, it's on Netflix, it's been there for a while. Absolutely check it out. It's one that I revisit every so often. I do have one criticism, which is the whole calling nine one one on your cell phone nonsense. Mm, Some of you mm-hmm. may or may not know, I was a 911 emergency dispatcher for a while. And I'm here to tell you, if you call 911 on your cell phone, we don't immediately know where you are. Cell phones mm. are tricky things, right? They ping off the nearest tower, so the closest ping we can do is from that tower, and even that is a ridiculous radius. Now, what we can <laughs> pull from your cell phone number is your biller information, uh, and we have, and it's a whole process, right? We got to call Verizon, we got to send paperwork, we got to do this stuff, and it takes a couple minutes, but it can be done. Now, if you're home, yeah, sure, that works. Like, if this is her house and her subscriber information is to this address, you know, yeah, we're going to send a unit to go check it out or or whatever. But if it's a VoIP phone or this other kind of stuff, maybe you're not there. Maybe someone else pays your cell phone bill. Maybe you're on vacation. I don't know. But I I just, I think it's a dangerous precedence to set. Every time I see it in movies where they show people just calling 911 and letting the phone and then the cops know where they go. That's not the case. Guys, that's not how 911 works. (laughs) So if possible, (laughs) try to communicate where you are. It is so much more important that we know where you are than what is going on. We'll send everybody if we don't know what's happening as long as we know where it's happening. That's my PSA. (laughs) I'm going to concur with that, though, because uh, out of recent experience, after getting a new iPhone, um, iPhone 11, there is a key sequence on your iPhone 11 that will start an emergency countdown and it will blare an alarm and immediately call 911 and alert your emergency contacts. It happened in my pocket at least twice. 
the last time that it happened before I figured out how to disable this feature, it rang all the way through and I made the mistake of in a panic, like trying to hang up, it hung up as they answered. They immediately called me back. It was an automated call, but it did say, if you do need assistance, please call us back. So they weren't just going to send somebody to come find me driving around in my car in Springfield, Virginia, when my phone is not registered anywhere near Springfield, Virginia. So uh, absolutely uh, agree with that 100%. So, Ooh, uh, and that brings us, thank you, Tim, that brings us to PSA number two. If you accidentally call 911, don't hang up in a fit of yeah. panic. Simply stay on the line and say, my apologies, my phone called you on accident, I have no emergency. Because the other thing is, the 911 operator, which I guess things are different in Fairfax, or because you yeah. know, you're in Springfield, most 911 operators then have to attempt a series of callbacks, which means that we cannot answer the phone for other people. So, if you call 911 on accident, just stay on the line and tell us it was an accident. And I'm saying us, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done this job in a long time. <laughs> but there you go, PSA number two, Soapbox closed i do i really like this movie 911 treatment aside and it's like i said it's one i revisit frequently and enjoy it every time i watch it from the performances to the writing all of it spot on i give it an eight out of ten yeah i'm i think i might go a tip lower i might go seven out of ten i felt like i could maybe poke some holes in this uh, again if i wanted to a little bit harder mm-hmm. with some stuff but uh, again I, I it's enough to make this a unique watch and uh, and a, a good refresh and perfect for i think what we were trying to do with this episode is, is give you something you know that that's not your your classic horror movie but again give you that feel for for the season if you want um if you want something and you're tired of the the, the same old same old as jack skeleton would say <laughs> yes absolutely all right guys I think that about wraps it up for this week. Next week, our next episode is going to be our next deep dive where we investigate and dive into the fact and fiction behind a horror movie that claims to be based on a true story. We were going to do one that we're not going to do anymore (laughs) simply because (laughs) it's garbage. But uh, so we're shifting gears and instead next week we're going to do the movie, the fourth kind, which I believe that right now the fourth kind is available through a stars subscription. So if you haven't done it, just grab the seven day free trial, check out the movie and then you can get out of there, watch it for free. Um, Otherwise, you know, you could rent it or, or do whatever you feel more comfortable doing or see if you can track it down somewhere else. But, but we're going to watch The Fourth Kind starring Mila Jovovich and uh, and dive into whether or not this movie really is based on a true story. Other than that, be sure to check out Instagram. Every day, Monday through Saturday, we're putting up content either related to the episode that we're talking about. Uh, you know, we put up some images on, you know, what the real people looked like from the right, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and then every day we're posting up reviews and recommendations for horror movies that you can watch throughout the month of October. So be sure to check that out. It's slowly driving me crazy inside. So definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely put some eyes on that content just so i get that validation and know that this madness is worth it other than that shoot us messages on anything stuff you want us to watch talk about review we're absolutely always happy to do it you can hit us up on instagram paused reviews you can go to the website pausedreviews.com there's links to the podcast there's downloading the podcast there's all kinds of stuff you can contact us through there or you can just shoot us an email directly pausedreviews at gmail.com other than that Thank you guys so much for listening. We look forward to having you back next week. And until then, 
try not to get too scared. Yeah, I got enough candy corn and pumpkin beer to get me through this. I think. Nice. It's gonna keep me. That's gonna keep me level as we we get through the rest of these these creepy crawly movies i just keep telling myself it's so much scarier outside so (laughs) being being in here with some fake ghosts is no big deal it's so true that's so true anyways thank you guys so much again and we will catch you on the next one i'm your boy frank this is tim all right we'll see you next time